I wrote you a letter. Dear friend, I've been thinking about you a lot this past year and a half. I think back to when I was in the empty sanctuary last High Holy Days and how much I missed you. How much I missed hearing the room filled with the voices, with hugs from people I'd seen last week and others I hadn't seen since last High Holy Days. But everyone stayed home, trying to avoid catching COVID. And it felt like for a long time, that's all we talked about, was how you catch it, how you avoid it. And I never, I never could have imagined that again, a year later, on Kol Nidre, that I would be standing here in the sanctuary, wearing a mask, the room not yet back to capacity. And we've made incredible steps, but it's also obvious that we're not there yet. Last year, I looked into that black box right there, hoping that it would translate my love across the fiber optics. Now tonight, I'm lucky enough to see some of your eyes, not everyone's eyes, at least not yet. Now, I've not just been thinking about you because I miss you. I've been thinking about what we've been facing and surrounded by day in and day out for 18 months now. Because these 18 months and the stress and the fear, it hasn't really been about COVID. That's just been the surface discussion. And I don't know if you're like me, but I acted like once the vaccine was invented and distributed and I got a shot in the arm, the whole thing would just be over. And then I could return back to normal life. But I, I don't really think this has been about us being surrounded by COVID. This, this has been about us being surrounded by death. And it's been overwhelming. And we just want it to end. And I get it. But the more that I thought, the more that I couldn't shake the feeling that facing death hourly and not learning from what it has to offer, it'd be a travesty. Now, facing death and not turning away but leaning into it and the lessons it has to teach us, it can be one of the greatest and the most profound gifts we can squeeze from this life. Now, that's the irony. Dying and death can teach us to live deeper and more meaningful lives. And we've been surrounded like a small boat in the middle of the Pacific, with no land in sight, only death day in and day out, as we gaze upon the horizon with no end in sight. We're reminded on the news, reminded when we see someone with a mask, reminded when we couldn't go to the doctor or the hospital because they were too full with people dying. 18 months or more of being separated from seeing family and friends, hugging grandchildren, all because death it was swirling around us. And we just want it to end. My tia Wheelie, my uncle in Argentina, he died this year.
And he didn't die from COVID. He died from the isolation of COVID. My family, they couldn't fly down to Argentina to take care of him or to see him. And then we saw him buried on an iPad. And we just wanted to end. To go back to the way things used to be. Now, we don't want to face death. It's a future that we want to hide away from and not think about. And it's not because we're a people who are so mindful and present that we do not think about the future. And I'm not talking about next week or next month. We live our lives preparing decades in advance about what could come. Our high school students, they work on their grades and their extracurriculars in order to get into a good college. And in college, we want to make sure we get a good job. And then when you finally get that good job, we begin to put money away in our 401k so that one day we can retire and then maybe help our kids and our grandkids. A lot of us, we live our lives preparing for what's next, when in reality, none of that is guaranteed. We don't know if we're going to end up in college or being lucky enough to even use our 401k or even have children for that matter. But nonetheless, we prepare. There is only one thing that we don't prepare for. And it's the only thing that's guaranteed. Birth, it was all of our beginnings. And death will be all of our destinations. Everyone that we know will die. And we would not just begin preparing to get into college when the applications are due, or begin to think about how am I going to afford retirement when I actually get to that age. So we plan so that each stage we do the very best that we can. So why is it that the only thing in life that is guaranteed we don't actually plan for? We don't prepare. This time of being surrounded by death every single day, it actually can be a gift. Because preparing for a good death, it's the foundation for a good life. And the rabbis, they knew this. There's wisdom that's been left for us like sparkling gems that we probably just didn't notice because we've been too busy. And these gems, it's wisdom from our ancestors who have been through this before, and they've mined meaning and truth from death. It's why tonight I wrote to you, Kol Nidre is about exactly that. The rabbis, they laid out a three-step process for us within everything that we're going to do in the next 24 hours. The first step is the process of recognition and honesty with truth. A truth that we all know, but we've been turning away from because it's just been too much. And then a process of confronting the hardest parts of our lives. And then finally, facing the question that all of us have been asking since our earliest days of consciousness. Is there anything after this? Now, the first step in facing one's death is facing one's death. 
It's recognizing that we're finite, that our time is limited. And that what limits our time is our body, our physicality. It's why tomorrow we will read the Unatana Tokef. The rabbis put that there for us. Who will live and who will die? Who will die after a long life and who before his time? Who by water and who by fire? Who by famine and who by thirst? Who by upheaval and who by plague? And it, it, it was not put there as a threat. It was put there as a touchstone of truth and reality that each of us is finite. That as we grow older, we can see the signs of the finitude of our existence. The first freckles that we get when we are out in the sun a little bit too long. The wrinkles that gets worn into our face from hundreds of thousands of hours of just living. The cut on our arm when we were a little kid that healed in a few days and now it takes a few weeks. These subtle reminders, they're a powerful gift. And they're a reminder that we're much more than our physicality. If our goal is to remain vital, physicality is a diminishing route. Just as with our deaths, it's the death of our body, the vessel that has carried us through this journey. And for a lot of us, we may think that the death of our body is the death of us. But give me a minute, we'll get to that. We can only come to that question once we have faced the reality of our body's finitude. Who will live and who will die? And there is only one answer to that question. You and me. And as I write this to you, I was also aware that this may be the last thing that I ever get to write to you. Either because I'll be gone soon or you will. And if that's the case, I better not waste what I have to say to you. And that brings me to my second point. If, if it is the last thing that I get to say, where do I start? It's overwhelming. Do I focus on, on what I want to teach? On what I'm appreciative of? Of who I love? Of what I learned? Now, according to the rabbis, those things are important. And I should have already captured all of those in my ethical will. A document that lists not what I'm physically leaving to the world, but what learnings and love that I want to leave to the world. And while important, the rabbis, they tell us that this is not what we should be talking about at the end, when we are truly aware and surrounded by death. And, and we've been surrounded by death. Over four and a half million people have died. In our country, every two days, we are losing more people than we lost 20 years ago on September 11th, which means the time is now for me and also for you to focus on the Vidui, the confessional prayer of Judaism. Now, the Vidui, it comes after the Unatana Tokef tomorrow. The Vidui it says that the most important conversation that we can have is not to reminisce on all of the wonderful things in our life, but to talk about 
the one thing that we've been avoiding, the conflict, the conflict that was never resolved. Now, most people think this is the worst possible time to have a conversation like this, but it's not. It's actually the most important time to have it. I've heard people refer to it as the Jewish last rites, as if tying a parallel to Catholicism is an equivalency. And I've got to be honest with you, this irks me to my core because it misses the central power of the Bedouin. You see, when the Catholic priest walks in to give last rites, they enter the room as a conduit where they alone can absolve you. In Judaism, the rabbi, not so powerful. If, if you keep it just between us. Being a rabbi doesn't afford you any extra power. If you don't believe me, you can ask Elisa. She will confirm it 100%. If, if I go into a room with someone who's ready to say the Vidui, I literally can do nothing to absolve them. Because a rabbi is not a priest. A rabbi is just a teacher and a judge. The only one who can make the Vidui work is the person saying it. So what does it say? It says, listen, I've made mistakes. I, I wish I would have done better. But I'm human. And I love you. And I want you to know that when I'm gone, that conflict that we had, it's going to be a part of your grief. And I'm so, so, so sorry for the pain that I caused you. Please forgive me. The rabbis are aware that grief is complicated. And even though no one wants to talk about the hard stuff and the conflict, that will become the primary focus when the person is gone. Because complicated relationships equals complicated grief. The vidui, it creates a path for two people to come to peace with each other. You see, the vidui, it's not about death. The vidui is about creating peace. While you're lucky enough to be alive, and I cannot tell you how appreciative I am that after this year of so much death that I'm still here getting to talk to you and that you're still here. And that each of us can use this time to have the most important conversations of our entire lives while we're still conscious. Finally, the question of questions. Is there anything after this? Now, tomorrow, at the end of Nila, when all we can think about is break the fast, we're going to be on the final page of the Moxer in the prayer book, and we will say the Shema. And it's the same Shema that one is supposed to say at the moment that they're going to die, the last words out of their mouth. And in case we hadn't picked up on the theme of truly facing our death, that Shema right there, it's as clear as day. But you see, the service, it doesn't actually end on the Shema. The prayer book moves from our certainty to the mystery which stands before us. Is there anything after my life? What comes after I say that Shema for the final time? And I know as I write this 
many of you are probably rolling your eyes thinking, come on, Rabbi. I mean, it's pretty obvious. At the end of my life, it's the end of me. I'm going to decompose. I'm going to be put into the earth, and I'm going to become the earth. But, but as we sit together, on the quietest night of the entire year, I just ask you to remain open. Amos Oz, he notes from his philosophy teacher, Hugo Bergman, that nobody knows if there's anything on the other side of death or if there's nothing there. And we can deduce from this complete ignorance that the chances that there's something there are exactly the same as the chances that there's nothing there. 50% for cessation and 50% for survival. Now, how could it be that life is so finite and we conceive of death as infinite darkness? And this can be overwhelming to our core, and I can tell you it's overwhelming to me, to the point that it can just be too much to even think about. So the liturgy and the rabbis, they no longer whisper across the pages, but they begin to yell progressively louder at us that the Shema, it's not the end. The Shema may not be the end of our souls in this world. Now, think about that for a second. For some reason, we know that our minds are finite. Our comprehension of the universe and reality is finite. It's limited. But even with that knowledge, for some reason, so many of us are so certain that we know what comes next. Judaism, it approaches God and death with the same idea, that there's far more that we do not know than what we do know. And the rabbis, they challenge us. And I ask you to accept that challenge of just remaining open to the possibility that there may be something greater that our finite imagination cannot comprehend. That's why as we exhale empty of breath at the end of the Shema tomorrow evening, we take a pause and we think it's come to an end. And then with a vitality and a power, we suck in a full breath of air and go, Baruch Shem Kavod Malchuto Le'olam Vayad. Bless the infinite forever and ever. A declaration that the infinite is truly infinite with infinite possibilities. My friend, I sat down tonight in the dark of my house as my wife and my kids, they slept with the air purifier whirring in the background to write you this letter. And to tell you that this letter and this day that we're in, it was never about death. This, this is about life and how to live. How your actions and your conversations will live beyond your body through years and generations that neither of us could have ever imagined. Our voices will echo here in people's minds and hearts long after we're gone. This moment of time that we're journeying through, it's a gift if we use it. Now, most 
people never confront these truths or have these life-altering conversations until they've reached the door of their own death. We happen to be living in a moment of time where we can transform our lives while we're still physically here. As we journey from Unatanatokaf, recognizing that you will die, to Vidui, the most important work we will ever do in this life, to Shema, the great affirmation of the infinite. This will be the hardest effort, and this will be the most important work you or I will ever do in our entire lives. It's work that will carry our souls long after we've reached our destination. Birth is a beginning and death a destination. But life is a journey, a sacred pilgrimage made stage by stage to life everlasting. Because death, it was only about your body. But by making this a sacred pilgrimage, we truly make life everlasting. Because the infinite is truly infinite. With much love and blessings, and ultimately, my friend, l'chaim to life, Ryan.